I could eat a bagel every day for breakfast and feel fine, but I suffer from eczema, migraines, and my body's reacting to it, and I'll never figure it out. That's what makes sensitivities so dangerous to me. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast, we are talking about elimination diets and if they are an effective way to figure out your food sensitivity. Also, if food sensitivity tests are the gold standard or if elimination diets are the gold standard, how your emotional health affects your gut health and what to do about it, the benefits of intermittent fasting, why food sensitivities have become so common and are pervasive in our society today, as well as if low FODMAP diets are effective for the treatment of SIBO and what is an elemental diet. Today, my special guest is Dr. Peter Kozlowinski, and he is a functional medicine doctor who uses a broad array of tools to find the source of the body's dysfunction. He takes time to listen to his patients, plots their history on a timeline, considers what makes them unique, and creates individualized care plan. He has an office in Chicago, as well as Bozeman, Montana. He did his residency in family practice, but started training in functional medicine as an intern under leaders in the field like Dr. Mark Hyman, Deepak Chor, and Susan Blum. And he is also the author of Unfunk Your Gut. Hey, Doc Cause, it is so great to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I am super excited to dig into gut health with you. As am I. Thank you so much for having me on. Totally. Yes. So um, I, you talk about elimination diets in your book and if they're effective. So I, I'd like to dive into that first. Yeah, absolutely. The first, so my book is definitely focused on gut health. And the first step in healing your gut is to make sure that you don't have any food sensitivities. When your body reacts to food, there's three reactions you can have. You can have allergies, you could have celiac disease, and you can have sensitivities. Different type of immune response is created with each one. Allergies are IgE antibodies, celiac is IgA antibodies, and sensitivities are IgG, your chronic antibodies. Let's allergies and celiac, I always tell my patients are easy because the reaction happens right after you eat the food. So it's immediate and you kind of don't, you don't doubt that you're allergic to peanuts or dairy or something like that. There's also good lab testing. So you can go get your blood drawn or um, skin testing and identify allergies. And then the regular medical community believes in allergies and celiac. And then you have sensitivities, which is basically all that I work with um, from those three. And the, the biggest reason that sensitivities are so dangerous, in my opinion, is the reaction is delayed hours to days after eating the food. So I could eat a bagel every day for breakfast and feel fine. And I, but I suffer from 
eczema, migraines, joint pain. And I go to my doctor and I get pills for that, pills for that, pills for that. And I keep eating a bagel every day for breakfast and my body's reacting to it and I'll never figure it out. And that's what makes sensitivities so dangerous to me. The other big thing is that in my experience, IgG food testing is not reliable. Um, they, it is typically just like the best marker of leaky gut. Most people that do that testing show up with, it's basically like a log of what you've been eating for the last three months. So to me, the gold standard is an elimination diet. An elimination diet uh, is 21 days of removing the 14 biggest offenders and then reintroducing them one by one using a tracking journal. So the other most important thing that I want people to understand about an elimination diet is why, like, why is it 21 days? Did we just make that number up? And it's based on half-lives. Everything in your body has a half-life, whether you uh, drink alcohol, take prescription meds, your hormones, toxins, everything has a different clearance time. That's why some meds you take four times a day, some are once a month. And the half-life of IgG antibodies is about 21 days, 21 to 23 days. So if I'm very reactive to gluten and I had, ba I had gluten today and I have 100 antibodies floating around, if I don't have any gluten for 21 days, that antibody count drops in half to 50. When I eat it again on day 22, my immune system, if it's created a response against that food, it will attack and I will get symptoms. And I might get symptoms. I might have done an elimination diet because of migraines, but when I reintroduce gluten, I might get abdominal pain or I might break out in a rash. Like the, it's, the, sim where the symptoms can be anything because it's inflammation in the body and inflammation in the body can go anywhere. So 21 days of removing the, the foods, reintroducing them one by one, two days at a time, to me is the gold standard for identifying food sensitivities, which to me is the, the first step in healing your gut. I 100% agree. I do not love food sensitivity testing, food allergy testing. I think it's exactly true. You know, you hand somebody a sheet and you're like, well, you can eat a hundred of these 500 foods because yeah. you're, you've eaten these foods and it seems to be foods that they've eaten in the last, you know, month. And I, yeah. I completely agree with that point. Um, I thought that I was the only one that saw that. <laughs> so no, I'm really I've, glad to hear you say that. I've been in private practice for seven years and, and studying functional medicine for 10. And I've never ordered an IgG food panel. And, but I've probably recommended thousands of elimination diets. Um, and I mean, another issue with them, is they're not cheap. Like they, they're expensive. And then I'm usually wanting to test someone's gut or toxins or other things. And just from a financial standpoint, I'd rather have you invest the money in something that actually gives us information that you can't gain just from doing an elimination diet and more reliably. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. So what happens with the mind, body, and emotional connection, and how does that relate to our guts? So, Gut, not plural. <laughs> Both of them, or maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, 
that to me is the big secret that I reveal in my book. Um, I'm going to give a spoiler is that your mental, emotional, spiritual health is the key to your gut health. And I've learned that through my own story and then from working with patients because me, I'm a perfectionist. So I only think about the people that don't get better. I don't, I have tons of people that are doing great and I don't think about them. But the ones that aren't getting better are the only ones I think about. And, and so I've tried to figure out what's the difference. Why can I have 10 people with SIBO treat them the same or similarly and five get better and five don't? And what I've discovered is that it's mental, emotional, spiritual health. What that, 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 that term, I mean, some people can, you can call it depression, anxiety, stress, trauma. Um, I really like just mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And the reason why that is the key to your gut health is because your gut and brain are connected and your gut has its own brain. It's called the enteric nervous system. There's a nervous system that surrounds your gut that's made up of 200 to 250 million neurons. It's more than in your brain. And so that nervous system is connected to your brain by your vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve runs from the, the brain to your gut, heart, lungs. And so the vagus nerve is carrying signals back and forth from the gut to the brain, the brain to the gut. The vagus nerve runs on your autonomic nervous system, which is your automatic nervous system. And that nervous system has two basically responses. It could be either in sympathetic mode or parasympathetic mode. Sympathetic mode is fight or flight parasympathetic is rest and digest. The analogy that I, I like to use now is I live in Montana now. And if we're, if I'm out hiking and I run into a bear or a mountain goat, that's chasing me, I want to run away. My sympathetic nervous system is activated. The blood goes to my brain, my muscles, and I escape when I'm sitting by the campfire at the end of the night, um, and having a meal and I'm relaxed, that's rest and digest, right? Well, what, what's going on in our current, like in our society, people are living as if they're running from a bear 24 seven, we wake up, we go straight to our phone. We see our text messages, our emails, we check the news, what kind of traumatic things are happening in the world. Um, and we're off and running, right. And the rest of the day usually just gets worse. And when you're living in that sympathetic response, you are you're shutting down your stomach from making acid. You will not produce stomach acid. If you don't produce stomach acid, you can't digest protein. You don't kill off the bad bacteria you're being exposed to. You don't absorb vitamins and minerals out of your food, and you don't activate the rest of your digestive enzymes. So low stomach acid happens from the sympathetic response. Then you shut down also your microbiome. You on a stool test, I can I warn my patients. I'm like. I can see how stressed out you are based on your microbiome. So there's certain bacteria that are suppressed on a stool analysis when someone's been living under chronic stress. So I kind of, I mean, I, I talk about this with all my patients at the first visit about the mental, emotional, spiritual part. And most, this is when huge red flags, stop signs go up. They're like, no, I'm fine. I don't, I don't have any issues. And they will gladly follow whatever diet, supplements, tests I ask them to do. But in working on whatever trauma has happened or relationship issues or whatever, it's like, it's a no-go. The 
sympathetic nervous system shuts down your digestion, shuts down your microbiome, and then everything starts going wrong. You end up with SIBO, dysbiosis, and then usually by the time people have made it to me, it's autoimmune disease, it's some kind of chronic neurological disease, high blood pressure, and uh, we're trying to reverse it. So, and I, I feel like that point is lost in our kind of in social media and in the internet and all of that, that, you know, everybody kind of talks about the, the right diet. What's the best diet? What's the right supplements? What, what do you have growing? And, and then this just, it's information overload. So chapter one of my book is, is titled, have you ever misdiagnosed yourself using the internet? And I go through a story of Googling abdominal pain and where it took me. And most people that have read it have, have laughed uh, like out loud in front of me. So it's pretty cool. Um, but it's, it's funny because it's true. Like you, you can really like within two clicks, like convince yourself you've got cancer or, or anything else. Like it's, I mean, it's shocking. So the, the, probably the best health advice I can give someone that pretty much nobody follows through with is every time you want to get on the internet to read about a condition or what might be wrong with you, try meditating instead and see what happens with your gut health, with your chronic disease health, with just your overall well-being. Um, so that I guess is a summation of the, the gut brain connection and why it's so important. Going into that mental, emotional piece, do you feel like meditation is enough when there's been major trauma? No. Okay. That's, it, yeah. Yeah. Every person that comes through, uh, that comes to see me, I encourage them to get a therapist right away. And there's different types of therapy, specifically what my patients have had the most success with, with who have a trauma history is EMDR therapy. Um, so I, I plant that seed right away. I'm like, it's, I stress it as the most important part of your health, the mental, emotional, spiritual part, but it's also the hardest part for me to help someone with because they're there for the gut testing and diet and, and toxins and hormone balancing and all of that. And it's just not enough time. The, the other biggest hurdle I think is that there's so many modalities out there, which is amazing. You have to find what's right for you. Right. And that, that even goes with a therapist or a functional medicine doctor, like, I might have a lot of great reviews, but you might hate me. You might not like me. I love my therapist, but she might be terrible for you. And so it's kind of that journey of, of figuring out what's the right piece. Um, for me, I mean, I, I've been working on this for 10 years personally. My, my own personal story is that uh, I'm in recovery. I, I used to be uh, a binge drinker and my trauma was being a first-generation American. My parents were from Poland. I was born in the U.S., but um, I had a great life. My parents gave me everything they could, but inside, I never felt good enough. I never felt like I fit in. I always felt awkward, and I created trauma. And so, when like a, a therapist introduced that to me, I was like, "This is ridiculous. Like, I don't. This is not an issue for me." 
And it turned out to be a major issue for me and how I masked it was alcohol. It made me comfortable. It made me social and, and not care. Um, so, and then the, the biggest, I think, lesson that I learned that burned me is I'm very much a checklist person. So I, I, I have goals, I write them down and then I cross them off as I accomplish them. When I went through recovery, I went through treatment, I did everything. I got a therapist. I, I like put in the work and then everything was great. So I stopped doing all of it. And what happened is I relapsed. And that's when I learned that mental, emotional, spiritual health for me to work on it is an everyday decision. Like I have to wake up and make a decision. Like I'm going to focus on this today because if I put in a few days without it, I go right back to the way I used to be despite all the work I've put in. So Therapy, um, for me, exercise, I, I notice my mood just changes if I go a couple of days, if I'm injured and I can't work out. I do a gratitude list every day. So me and my wife, we, we typically take a walk in the afternoon and we always um, do three things we're grateful for. Sometimes that's just like the fact that I have a desk or a microphone or uh, the sun's out. And sometimes on a really bad day, it's kind of like a great reminder, like, hey, things aren't as bad as they seem. Meditation um, is difficult. I mean, so many people quit because they say they're not good at it. Um, it the biggest thing that I learned about meditation is there is no such thing as being good at it. You can talk to people who have meditated for their whole lives and some days are great. Some days are terrible. And by terrible, it's like your mind's just all over the place, but you still get the health benefits from being in that space. So that I think with meditation, there's so many different types. So it's like, for me, I prefer guided meditations. I, I've gotten really into the app called Calm. Um, they're quick, they're easy. Um, and I, I prefer that, but then there's different types for different people. Um a tool that I'm exploring more that is heart rate variability. So as a way to basically train your vagus nerve so that there's nothing that's more effective for healing your gut than that. I think that just like for me in recovery, the most important part of it is just accepting that there's an issue, right? Which for so many people is so difficult. Um, and I totally understand that I've been through that and I get it. Um, and once you accept that there's, you know, maybe something happened when you were a kid or that you, whatever, didn't feel this way or this way, and you, you realize there's an issue, then you can, you can't really go back. You can't ever really unknow that. And then it's up to you to kind of work on it. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. 
And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit DrAnnMarieBarter.com and use the promo code PODCAST to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. First off, thank you for sharing your story. That's uh, that's pretty raw. And, you know, I think that takes a lot of courage to, to share that. Um, and I do want to dive into the next part of this, which is, um, why, uh, why we are so sensitive to foods. Like where did that all come from? I believe that it's because of what we've done to our food supply, right? Through like the hybridization of wheat that, that started in the 1960s to the, now the genetic modification to where, over 90% of soy and over 90% of corn in the US are genetically modified. Then you take animals like cows that used to roam around grass fields and now they're stuck in pens eating hay or sometimes some of these genetically modified foods. So what's what's happened is the proteins of these foods have changed, right? We they changed them. They that's what they did and in some people which I think when you have leaky gut, it, it's more common when those foods get into your body, the immune system is waiting. And because the proteins have changed in some people, the immune system identifies those foods as foreign and attacks. So like the top five offenders are gluten, dairy, soy, corn, eggs, and there's years of evidence that they've been altering those foods, right? Changing them. Because food sensitivities weren't prevalent 40 years ago. Like it, it's escalating year by year. Why do you feel like intermittent fasting is an important part of um, a lifestyle to incorporate? Yeah, it's intermittent fasting is something that um, I think the biggest thing that I learned about it is, well, I never wanted to do it myself because I love to eat. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually fasting today. I do my, I fast on Mondays and Fridays now. Um, so for me, it was just like the mental block of like, I can't survive 24 hours without eating from what I saw in my patients is, and I was never a big fan of fasting because I never really saw the benefits of it. And what I, what I would tell people to do, and mo most people came to see me was they had been doing 16 hour fasts. That is not enough. And proper like intermittent fasting should be 24 to 36 hours. Um, the whole point of fasting is to activate gluconeogenesis, which is basically your body using stored sugar to create energy because you're not putting anything new in that process doesn't really ramp up to like hour 20. So that's where, to, that's why I think a lot of 16 hour fasting fails. And I mean, the biggest tool is for people that are losing weight, right? That you want to lose weight. It's a great way to lose weight. Um, I don't do it for weight loss, but I do it for my hormones. I mean, it, it improves my testosterone. It improves my growth hormone. It um, improves the way my insulin works. It improves my metabolic rate. So things that I 
would want for long-term health it are achieved. It's kind of funny to me because it's like so simple, like just don't eat, but it's like so difficult too. Um, so it, it's funny that to me that it's just that simple, like just don't eat. And it's, yeah. What benefits have you seen with intermittent fasting and um, having maybe less food sensitivities, you know, better gut health? Have you seen anything great with that? One of the reasons it would help your gut health is we talk all about the microbiome, right? All of us have three to five pounds of bacteria growing in our microbiome. And that bacteria can be good, which is like probiotics, or that bacteria can be bad, which is dysbiosis. Or that bacteria can overgrow the wrong parts of your gut, which is SIBO. When you've got an imbalanced microbiome, your gut bacteria are alive. They eat fibers and sugars. And they only eat when you eat. If you don't eat, they don't, they don't eat. So if your microbiome is imbalanced, what's a great way to start healing that is to not feed it. And that I think is, is one of the biggest benefits is SIBO is the most common condition that I treat. And something like fasting is definitely going to help that. And how does it help SIBO? By not feeding the bacteria. When so, you're- so how long do you need to really fast to say kill off SIBO? Because we have something like the elemental diet or, you know, whatnot. So how long do you think um, you need to do that for it to be completely effective? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the, I, I call it the elemental diet, my nuclear option. I, I don't like to start people ever on it. I've had a handful of people that like wanted to do it. Um, for those listening that aren't familiar with it, it's basically a, a liquid diet for 14 to 21 days. The elemental part is basically like you're using like a, a supplement protein that has protein, fats, carbs, and kind of keeps you uh, keeps your nutrition going while your digestive system is not being activated. So nutrients are just going straight into your blood. But like I said, I mean, to me, so the way I would approach SIBO is the vast majority of the time I'm using natural antibiotics, um, natural herbs. Sometimes I use antibiotics, regular ones from the pharmacy when my patients request it. Usually it's a like kind of a time thing, like a typical antibiotic approach would be two weeks. An herbal approach could be nine weeks or longer. So if you're going to go like the extreme route and just not eat, that's a great way. Like, I mean, everybody that I've seen do that, the, the SIBO goes away. I think, but it's, again, it's so difficult that a lot of people, you know, we can work out a plan where you're taking your herbs and supplements five days a week. And then if two days of the week, you're not eating, you're doing fasting, then that's kind of a way that you can cycle the week to kind of really throw off the bacteria. And do you like to use a lot of low FODMAP diet for SIBO cases? I do. Yeah. So in my book, we, we have mostly elimination diet recipes, but also low FODMAP diet, uh, low FODMAP recipes. And then we have a combination, which we call the cause plan, which is basically an elimination diet. That's also low FODMAP. So the reason that I, we came up with that, and I actually have to give the credit to my, uh, life coach. She's the one that kind of came up with it. Um, what you'll see for, 
in, in SIBO patients is, is if you don't know they have it and you're just like, okay, start an elimination diet. A lot of times they can get worse because their, their diets change to where they're eating more FODMAPs, which are basically fermentable foods. They're the favorite foods of the gut bacteria. So if you're eating more of those foods and you have SIBO, you're going to feel worse. So that's another thing that we just learned over time from working with people. We're like, you know, why is someone, you know, emailing, calling and saying they're getting worse and worse with elimination diet? And that component, a lot of times we, we correlated with that they probably had SIBO and that they were feeding the problem. So SIBO is tough because, I mean, I think every practitioner has a different approach to it and we kind of, you know, use what we're, we've been trained and what we've seen work with people. I know that there's people that argue against the low FODMAP diet. Um, I've a hundred percent of the time seen people do better when uh, they are doing treatment as well as the low FODMAP diet. Uh, I think one of the most interesting things that I've seen is I've had a number of patients over the years that get better just by stopping their probiotic and eating more low FODMAP. And that's kind of one of the reasons I, one of the big things I wanted to put in my book is to get that information out there is in the general population. Like if you tell someone you've got abdominal pain, bloating, IBS, they usually tell you to get a probiotic and to eat more fiber. Those are the worst things that you can do for SIBO typically. And so I've had just, I can think of countless people that have cried in my office because they're like, so you're telling me everything I've been doing for the last two years, three years, five years has been backwards. And I'm like, yeah. So low FODMAP to me is a crucial part of treatment. And, but it's also not a good long-term diet. So I really want people to be on a low FODMAP diet as short as possible, get the SIBO in remission. And then you got to start eating pre and probiotics again to, to feed your um, large intestine, your gut microbiome. If you're starving that, then you're going to get other issues. I think that's the concern I have seen with low FODMAP has been, you know, a, a, a patient will come in and they will be, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, low FODMAP, low histamine, you know, and they're eating like seven foods. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, and, and that doesn't diversify your microbiome either. And so I think that, you know, people feel good. And so they want to keep doing what makes them feel good. And it's like years later, they're still on the same diet. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I talk about that in my book that I would rather have someone eating at McDonald's twice a day than being so obsessed about following like a strict candida diet or a strict low FODMAP diet. Because at the end of the day, what I believe in the most is for our guts is our mental, emotional, spiritual health. So if eating ice cream every day makes you relax, I, I would rather work around that with you than you eating five things a day, which I've seen many times. And I've had a lot of patients that I, I tell this and I'm like, candida is the one that kind of sticks out the most that that one's been around the longest. There's so many, there's so much information online that people have convinced themselves that you can never get rid of candida unless you follow the strictest diet. It, you have to be perfect. Otherwise candida will never go away. That's absolutely not true. I mean, you can, 
follow a crappy diet, even if you're following the right treatment, there's a good chance it'll go away if you're relaxed, right? Because when you're not relaxed, when your sympathetic nervous system's activated, what happens? You release cortisol. What does cortisol do? Elevates your blood sugar and suppresses your immune system. What is candida's favorite environment? A suppressed immune system and sugar to feed off of. So it the the diets I think are important. And I, I just really try to gauge with my patients like what's what's realistic for you, right? Like if this is gonna like a lot of times working with like college students or high schoolers or adults where they're just like, I can't do it. Like I, it, then I'm like, you know, then forget it. Let's try without it and, and see where we get Like, I don't, I don't need you to be freaking out about every meal that it's like the perfect quantity, the perfect food, the perfectly prepared with the right oil. Like you can go nuts. It's exhausting. I, I'm just thinking back as you're talking and it's, it is exhausting. I think because the control is so, you know, it's so great and you're right. They're in a huge sympathetic dominance and how can you, how can you heal in that state? So do you think, um, what, what percentage of the population do you think has SIBO and is, is primarily, is this, and you think the root cause of the SIBO is primarily from our overstressed, overcommitted lifestyles? Not just that, but I think that that's the, one of the biggest contributing factors. Um, it's hard for me to say what, what percent of the population has SIBO. I, I know that in my practice, the people that come through to see me, it's at least like probably 50%, mm-hmm. um, if not more. And, and interesting on that point, actually, another thing that I've learned over the years is that there are people who have SIBO that don't have any gut symptoms, which also to me sounded nuts. I was like, you have to have gut symptoms, right? You're bloated, you have abdominal pain. And then I was stuck with a woman who had chronic kinker sores. And I was like, let's, let's test for SIBO. Cause we were just like desperate and it came back positive, no gut symptoms. We treat her. She emails me. I haven't had a kinker sore in two months. So it is, it's, it doesn't just present the majority of people do have your classic, like IBS symptoms thing with bloating, pain, constipation, diarrhea, but a lot of people don't, and they have the systemic symptoms. That's a big thing to consider in SIBO is where it's tricked me before is like, I, this person can't have it because they don't have any gut symptoms. For all the listeners out there who have had chronic SIBO, they're like, I've had a chronic SIBO infection. I've been on a low FODMAP diet. I've been, you know, I have taken the herbal antimicrobials. Um, and what's kind of your next step for these folks? If they've done antibiotics, then we try herbs. If they've done herbs, then I look at what herbs did they use? And we try to change the herbs. Sometimes we'll extend out the herbs. If that's failed through multiple courses, then um, elemental diet. And if that fails, people don't like this, but that's when I'm like, you really got to go in and, and ident- and into mental, emotional, spiritual treatment. Like, 
for me, that was like rehab, but there's rehabs out there that are just for life for people that don't end up with like an addiction issue. Um, so that to me, I mean, and I, I know that, I mean, SIBO is relatively new condition and maybe there's treatments that we'll still learn about. Um, but that's been my experience. And I mean, usually from, you know, when a patient comes to see me, they fill out 40 pages of intake paperwork. I go through it. So I have a pretty good idea. And then just talking to them, like as someone that was in like the worst kind of denial that you could be in, um, in regards to like my issues, you can kind of see it in other people. Like I, I I'll warn them. I'm like, you know, this is going to be a struggle unless you can, can accept that, you know, whatever trauma happened to you or whatever. So the other point that you made in your last question about, you know, is the, the number one underlying causes why SIBO happens. So this, the stress activates the sympathetic nervous system that shuts down your stomach acid. So the, the more of the mechanism of why is the stomach acid, I think, because the, the gut bacteria hate HCL. So that's another thing. I mean, I, I put people on hydrochloric acid supplements. If we think they have low stomach acid, that's a huge part of treating SIBO. And if they haven't done that, then that's something that we can introduce. Um, I've had a number of people over the years where literally it was a course of antibiotics. They're like, I took antibiotics and my gut has just been screwed ever since. And so that's always a consideration. There's things like motility disorders. Um, I, I would just think of more chronic constipation. Uh, chronic conditions that can affect your neurologic system, like diabetes, um, can slow down the motility. And then you throw in stress and a bad diet and it, and it happens. And where can people get your book? Yeah. So my book is called Unfunk Your Gut with a C, <laughs> Unfunk with a C. Um, and it is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. You can get it anywhere. I'm pretty sure. Kindle. Um, yeah. And it's, there, there's a link on my website, doc-cause.com, doc-koz.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge and sharing your information and sharing your story, most importantly, of what got you here and wanting to help other people do the same thing with their life. And um, to everybody listening, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate the support. And um, if you like what we're doing, please say hello. Let us know what you want to hear more of and hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.